0: You know the thing about a shark, he's got
1: lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. When he comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you.
0: And those black eyes roll over white and then... Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red and in spite of all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in
1: and they... Rip you to pieces.
2: Everybody. Welcome back to Wicked Garden Podcast. It's been a minute. Uh, we've been down for a while. Uh, apologize. A lot of that is my fault. Uh, Witness G is on the line with me today um, and he's going to join us for this show. Uh, so, how you doing, Garrett?
0: Pretty good. How you doing?
2: All right, man. It's been a challenging summer. Yes, yes. I guess we're jumping right back into it. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about everybody's favorite summer subject, the 1916 New Jersey shark attacks. And we're going to go into those and some legends about them and and stuff of that nature. But wanted to let you guys uh, know that we got a couple nice notes. Nice email from a gentleman by the name of Steve, who's a trucker. Uh, I don't have the email right in front of me, but Steve, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. So Steve drives the roads and uh, basically his email was, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm bored for long stretches of time. Not now, you know, I've, I've listened to your last three episodes and I'm going to go back and listen to the rest of them. So I really appreciate that, Steve. Thanks for contacting us. Um, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great note. And uh, had a lot of good things to say about the show. And uh, we also got contacted by uh, listener, Rachel. Um, who I actually did an interview with yesterday uh, for about an hour and 40 minutes. So we're going to have her stories. Rachel was very kind to say that uh, there's somebody on the show that has a New Jersey accent. I don't think that's me. I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so she was like, there's- Yo, my
0: accent's mixed. <laughs> Yeah. Um, i of being all over the place. But. Yeah.
2: I don't think. Yeah. But you've really got the South Jersey thing going good. Um, I, I, I don't hear it in my voice, but maybe I do. Who knows? So it was really nice of her to drop us a line. She said a lot of nice things about the show, too. And we're going to have her on a show. She's had some encounters with some entities. So we'll talk about that in the future. And then uh, I have to apologize for us being down so long. Just tell a quick story here. My dog died on Mother's Day, the dog that you hear on the show a lot of times. He had cancer. It was not unexpected. He was uh, going through cancer treatments for a couple of years. He died on Mother's Day, and we were going to be dogless for the summer. That was the thought process. We were going to just take our time and relax and be dogless and you know, have the summer to ourselves, seeing as we live at the beach. And that was a Sunday of Mother's Day. And then on Tuesday, I came home and she told me, hey, I want to go to Tennessee this weekend and pick up a puppy. So we picked up a new dog, <laughs> Jack Russell, uh, another Jack Russell. This would be my fifth. Uh, he's a male, uh, long-haired Jack Russell. He's cute as hell. Uh, Garrett's seen pictures of him. And his he name is, is Whiskey. And Whiskey loves to chew things. And one of the first things whiskey chewed was the power supply for the roadcaster. It was very nice of him. He wanted to cancel the show. He must have listened to the show, man. (laughs) So, so he wanted to cancel it. So it took me a few weeks to get that part in. And then I've just been really busy. Uh, I've had a lot of stuff going on, some health challenges, that kind of stuff. Garrett's been really busy, and then I took a vacation, went out west for a couple weeks, uh, went to Utah and the Rocky Mountains. And just to show you how crazy we are, we left on a Thursday uh, night and picked up a trailer in Utah on Monday morning, and then camped with it all the way back and brought it back to here. So I now have a uh, recreational vehicle, but we went out, we wanted a special one, so we, we went and got it in Utah, and that was our vacation. Basically running out to get this uh, thing and coming back. I think we did like 6,000 miles on my new truck. But it takes up a lot of time. A lot of stuff going yeah, you on. you got to
0: see a lot of cool stuff, though.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was a good trip. Uh, Capitol Reef, Rocky Mountains. I hate heights. And if anybody's ever been out to the Rocky Mountains, when you go through the park, you go on this Route 34. I didn't know anything about it. And I hate heights. I hate it. I hate being in the car when you're on a road that's high. I can't stand it. It drives me crazy. I hate getting up on a six-foot ladder. And the way the national parks work now is you have to make a appointment. So we made an appointment for the next day, and we're at the gate, and I'm looking out at this mountain, right? I think it's called Shadow Mountain, and I'm looking at the tallest, tallest peak. And jokingly, I said to Tracy, I'll bet you that's where this road goes. And damned if it don't, it goes to 12,583 feet. So, here's me in the passenger seat of a tundra. In the tundra, because that's actually where you are when you're up at 12,600, 12,500 feet. You're at the part where the ground never unfreezes, okay? And there were people getting out of their cars and laughing and joking and all that other stuff. And I was fucking terrified. So, (laughs) It was it was unbelievable. So we went to uh, Estes Park and then went around the mountain to come home because I was not going back over Route 34. But I did it. I had my truck up there, 12,600 feet, or at That's least awesome. she did. If I had to drive it down, I don't know that we would have made it down, but it's a pretty crazy road. Um, and
0: you got to at least see the uh, Stanley Hotel, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, too. That was cool, too. So we go to Estes Park, and right. it completely just went over my head that the overlook is there right so we're driving downtown and i'm like i don't get it this is like wildwood in colorado because that's literally what it is saltwater taffy stores t-shirt stores people walking around being annoying you know brew pubs that kind of stuff um real hipster vibe right uh, you know, you got to stop for everybody in the crosswalks and then everybody waits for the light to turn green to walk in the crosswalk. Right. So if you go through <laughs> downtown, it takes like 15 minutes to go four blocks. And I, we were just done with the town. We're like, I can't believe we came over here. There's really not much to see. I could bought saltwater taffy two miles from my house and we're coming back. And I see this building out of the corner of my eye and it's white with red shingles or red roof. And I'm like, that looks familiar and then i'm like holy shit it's the overlook so i stopped took some pictures sent them to garrett garrett was like that's cool it's on my bucket list but that place was really cool so you can't you can you can get into the front part to take pictures but you've got to pass a gate if you want to actually get up close and like go in the lobby and take any pictures you have to have a uh, a reservation for a room So don't try to just go. Yeah. I mean, you can walk around the grounds a little bit. I think there's a, I think the tour buses in Estes Park go through there too. There's a couple four by four tours and they go through there too, but it was a good vacation and now we're back. So we're talking about, uh, 1916 shark attacks in New Jersey and they basically inspired. We missed
0: missed shark week. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: We were, we were shooting for shark week. That didn't happen. Anyway, we uh we're talking about the 1916 shark attacks. They ins- actually inspired the movie Jaws, and actually, literally, right before I got on, I found out how they inspired the movie, which is a really good story that I think you don't even know. So I got th- got those factoids with me here. But uh, so it's July first, 1916. It's in New Jersey. A gentleman by the name of uh, Van Sant, and his name was Charles Van Sant. He had come down from Philly. He was a stockbroker, and he actually came uh, to beat the heat. He was coming from Philly, and actually his dad was a physician who paid for the whole trip, right? So he's bringing himself, his wife, his son, and his three daughters down. And they stayed at the Ingleside. Beach Haven, New Jersey is where he was. So the first night they're down there, which was actually like a Sunday, and they checked in at this Angleside hotel, he decided to take a swim Uh, right around evening time, which if you're a fisherman, you know, that's kind of like when they get their fish will eat their last bite. You know, you get them in the morning and you get them at night, depending upon the tide, right? So he had went out, took a little swim, got about 100 yards off the beach, and he actually had his dog swimming with him. Now, there's some controversy as to whether it was his dog or not. There's most of the stories say it was. He's out there hundred yards, and he was an excellent swimmer. He actually, at one time, had thought about uh, trying out for the Olympics. But these lifeguards see him struggling from out there, and they go running out. The lifeguard's last name was Ott, so he gets out there, and he's literally fighting to stay above the water. Very similar to the first scene in the movie when that girl keeps resurfacing, you know, near the the buoy. And he keeps coming up out of the water, and the lifeguards keep grabbing him. But as they pull him, they can feel this other force on the other end. And he's screaming bloody murder, and long story short, they finally break him loose. Um, but when they get up on the, him up on the beach, his left leg is completely gone, just a bone. Uh, his femoral artery, artery is pierced. And they try to take him back to the Angleside Hotel so they can get him with his father, who is a physician, and he dies literally on the beach. He does make it back to the hotel, but by the time he got there, he was dead. So, we roll forward about five days, 50 miles north. Let's see, Spring Lake, New Jersey. Uh, An employee of the Essex and Sussex Hotel, a guy by the name of Charles Bruder, who's 27 years old, was attacked by a shark during a swim after work. Both his legs were severed at the knee and he died in the surf. So literally this guy just, he had no chance whatsoever. Took both his legs from the knee down. He just bobbed to the surface and was dead almost instantly. So that was the second attack. Now, you know, Jersey Shore traffic and Jersey Shore vacation was was a big economic driver for the U.S. back then in those days. That was, you know, where a lot of money was spent and it was a big, big deal. So the governor gets in touch with the White House and he says, look, we've got, you know, we didn't think sharks attacked people at all, uh, you know, a few days ago. And now we've got these two people that are, that are attacked. And the thought process too was that there wasn't thousands of sharks out there in the water. You know, they were still very early on learning about like, you know, how many sharks there were. And what their feeding yeah. habits were. And they didn't think they ate humans. So they go from on, you know, June 30th thinking nothing of sharks to on, you know, July 6th go panicking going, wow, we've got a real problem. They they sent National Guard boats. They sent <laughs> all kinds of Coast Guard boats. They sent some Navy boats. And these guys were basically supposed to patrol along the beaches. Very similar to the scenes you see in the movie. And they were supposed to be looking for this shark.
0: Yeah, just back even in April of that year, in April 1916, the uh, head of marine biology at the Museum of Natural History in New York had published this like this research paper saying how unlikely it was for anybody to be, you know, attacked <laughs> by a shark. <clears throat> and he even speculated that like a shark's jaws weren't even strong enough to bite through like a human femur. Right. So this is literally in April. <laughs> this is an April, He writes so. this
2: paper. What great timing. <laughs>
0: yeah. And uh, so, you know, the first attack happened, it kind of got, you know, it made the Philly papers and, you know, local, but it didn't even get to New York where you had the other half of the tourism coming from. Because, I mean, you know, as, as well as I know, you got... Different kinds of bennies, the ones that come from, you know, yeah, you got and bennies, you got, right. exactly. <laughs> you got shoobies,
2: right? Exactly, got so, shoobies. Shoobies are Long Beach Island. <laughs> and south, and the bennies are north, right?
0: Exactly, but yeah, so the bennies didn't get the word. Um, they kept and they were coming. still coming down in droves, you know, and everybody just thought the first the first attack was almost buried in the media. But it came off as like a freak accident. It was just one little paragraph. Yeah. And you know what the other
2: thing, too, that was everybody thought it was because of the dog because the dog had kind of swam out a little bit with him. So people were Mm -hmm. convinced that it was it was trying to attack the dog and got Charles by accident. That was part of the problem. That was another part of the problem. Why they didn't panic because they didn't see, you know, the 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 human as the primary victim, they, they thought, you know, he he just got distracted. It was like collateral damage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They were, they were thinking it was almost collateral damage. The shark was after the dog. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. After that second attack though, it was almost hysteria.
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, know? you're going to shut down the cash registers. That's, that's, and the greed is done really well in Jaws too. You can see that from the mayor, right? So he he represents a lot of what went on with this, uh, as far as like the government end of it, right? They were panicking because they were going to lose their summer tourism, and it was such a big part of the economy back then.
0: Exactly. Yep. And, and you know that that uh that hotel where the uh, the victim I think it was a bellboy there. But that's where Woodrow Wilson, who was the president at the time, had his uh, secretary of defense. Yes. Yep.
2: He was there there at the time of the attack. Yep.
0: Yeah. So that's another thing that probably escalated with the government. Right. But, like, Woodrow Wilson was involved (laughs) and got, like, got the Coast Guard activated. But it it was mass hysteria after that second attack.
2: Sure. Yeah. And then, you know, everybody's out front hunting the shark. So that's where they are. They're out front, right? So you have the front, and then you have the back bays, and you have all these little creeks. So we move forward to July 12, 1916, and this is the day of absolute, complete carnage. Uh, this is where it goes over the top, right? Because you'll have your one-off shark attacks here in Jersey. You'll have somebody get bit, you know? Uh, especially up in the Hamptons too. They got a lot of one-off shark, uh, shark attacks up in the Hamptons in New York too. You know, they'll just get like an ankle bit or something like that. And that's usually because, you know, it's just misidentification. But on July 12th of 1916, 10 miles North in Mattawan Creek, there's a young boy named Lester Stillwell. Okay. And he's 10 years old and he's, uh, it's blazing hot and he's trying to beat the heat. So he takes a little dip in Madawan Creek. He's out there swimming, and lo and behold, his buddy sees a fin in the water, and he starts screaming for him to, like, look out. There's something in the water. There's something chasing you. Uh, the shark grabs Lester, and he grabs him by the left leg, and he basically eats Lester almost whole. Now, Lester's not a huge boy, but he winds up eating him. During the time that he's eating him, there's a 24-year-old that's coming by. His name is Stanley Fisher. He heroically dives in and tries to save Lester as Lester's going down for the last time. You can see him going down for the last time. He jumps in. He's trying to get to him. Uh, He gets over to where Lester is, but it was too late. Lester was already gone. So the shark, not satisfied with the meal that he had with Lester, he turns and he attacks Stanley. Stanley Fisher. Mm Mm-hmm. And Stanley is actually able to break free and fight his way to shore. Uh, And a crowd is gathered there. And as he starts coming out of the water, they look and they're horrified to see, you know, Stanley's thigh bone is gleaming like in the sun. So he's got all the meat stripped off his thigh. This thing just took it all off his thigh uh, once again, on the left leg, so we're talking femoral artery. Um, he's rushed to the hospital, but he dies of his injuries a little bit later that day. So he hung on for a little while, but you know he eventually dies of his, industry, his injuries that day. Now, downstream and out of earshot, not that it, far down, no, but not too far
0: down, like 200 yards from what I saw.
2: Yeah, there's a 14 year old swimming in the water. His name is Joseph Dunn, and there's a sea captain. That's actually walking along one of the bridges there, and he starts yelling to the kid, "Hey, look! There's something coming your way." Um, and this is the shark going back out towards the bay, right? So he, he's on his way out, and he sees 14-year-old Joseph Dunn, who also jumped in at a creek to beat the heat. And once again, the shark does the same thing; it latches onto his left leg. Rescuers jump in the water. Uh, You know, not the captain himself that's up there, but, you know, a couple other people that were down near the water, they jump in the water, and they're playing tug-of-war with the shark for, you know, Joseph Dunn. And they're pulling him back and forth, trying to get him broke loose. Finally, they break him loose, and they free Joe. Uh, He comes up, and his calf is pretty lacerated, but he's not that bad. They're able to stem the bleeding, and he's rushed to the hospital. And incredibly, he is the only survivor. Of that day. Mm -hmm. And that's Joseph Dunn. Now, on 7-14, so on July 14th, 1916, there is... Let's
0: let's talk about, real quick, just the day prior to that attack in the creek. Sure. There was a guy on a trolley bridge that reported seeing a shark coming through. Now, this is still on the hysteria from, you know, the previous, the first two attacks. Right. And he told the town and was trying to get them involved to start, you know, trying to hunt this shark down then and there. Because at this point, they weren't even sure that it was one shark. They thought maybe it was multiple sharks attacking. You know, they didn't think it was, you know, a single man-eater. Right. But uh, he he warned the town the day prior, and everybody laughed at him because the sharks don't go in a creek. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's bizarre enough that this – not only are these attacks happening, but they're happening in brackish water.
2: Right. So nobody heeded this poor guy.
0: Yeah, nobody nobody listened to him. And then, literally, the next day is when all this happened. Wow.
2: <clears throat> that I did not know. Yeah. So, a couple of days goes by, and on July 14th, 1916, a Barnum and Bailey lion tamer and a taxidermist. Oh, I'm
0: glad you knew that because I was going to bring that up too <laughs> if you didn't know. He's a, a lion
2: awesome. tamer, and there's a taxidermist from Harlem. Okay, and they're out on the boat, and they encounter an 8-foot, 300-pound great white shark in Raritan Bay, and it gives them the fight of their life. They are fighting this thing tooth and nail. They've got spikes stuck in it the whole nine yards. Uh, At one point, the oar gets broken on their boat, and their boat is sinking. So very similar to the scene when Quint gets eaten, right? So their their boat is sinking. Last-ditch effort, this lion tamer grabs the broken oar and jams it into the shark's body and kills the shark. And they wrestle it onto another boat. They bring it back in. And they were just amazed at how aggressive this shark was. Um, but these guys were out there because there was, you know, like a reward, a bounty put on this shark's head. Uh, so I
0: think it was a thousand dollars at the time, which was a lot of money. Great money.
2: Absolutely. So they get this 300 pound great white shark back and they get it hung up on the dock and they cut the belly open and they find 15 pounds of undigested human remains in the stomach. Now, this is pre-DNA. There is still a lot of controversy over whether they caught the actual shark. Now, you know, could there have been somebody else missing, you know, that had gotten eaten by another shark that nobody reported? And, you know, maybe it was a different shark. Sure, that could happen. But it seems awful coincidental that this thing has 15 pounds of human flesh in its body. Yeah, I would think it would, and be they're a shark.
0: all in different states of decomposition. So, right. I mean, it, it literally matches up. It seems like it's a one shark situation.
2: Right. Yeah, and for a while, um, I believe that this shark hung, <laughs> hung somewhere, like close, like in a restaurant or something along those lines. Like the taxidermy got it and they hung it. They hung it up, and it, for a long time, it was in a it was in a prominent place where people could go and view it. Um, but since then it's been lost to history, but this whole incident, uh, inspired a lot of books and then subsequently jaws. And I found this little interesting note on how it actually, uh, inspired jaws. As we all know, Peter Benchley wrote jaws and Peter was a author, but there was a gentleman by the name of Frank Mundus. And he was a Long Island fisherman. Prior to that, uh, Frank had grown up in Long Branch, New Jersey. And Frank was born with one arm shorter than the other. So parents took him to the, you know, took him to the doctor. And the doctor said, your best bet is to move him closer to the beach because he's got to really exercise the shorter arm to keep up with everybody else. And he's got to have a lot of fresh salt air, right? Because back then that was like half the cure, right? You just got to go have a breath of fresh air. So Frank and his family move out to Long Island, and Frank takes up swimming, he takes up fishing, he takes up a lot of that stuff so that he can strengthen that arm. And the fishing helps him strengthen the arm, too, because, you know, every time he catches a fish, he has a little bit of a fight, and he gets that strength, but he absolutely loves the water. So years later, Frank becomes a fisher fisherman, and he actually gets his own boat, He's quite a character, Frank Mundus. He runs around wearing a safari hat. He's got a big gold earring like a pirate. And he's a big guy, by the way. And he's got one toenail painted green and one toenail painted red for port and starboard. <laughs> <laughs> so he he opens up his own boat. And, you know, at the outset, what he's doing is he's taking people out just to catch mackerel, right? So they're suicidal. They just jump on your hook, right? So he's out there, uh, got him catching mackerel, and other little little things, right? And then it's bluefish and all that other good stuff. And he's coming out of, you know, Long Island to do it uh, with this charter boat. And one night they're fishing for blues. And as they're bringing these blues in, you know, because the blues get in a frenzy um, when you're fishing for blues, like literally they'll just, mm-hmm. you know, get in a frenzy and they're just biting on everything. And then that frenzy will attract other predators. So one night it attracted a great white shark. And, Frank wound up pulling this shark in literally by just throwing down hooks into it and all that other good stuff. He basically beat the shark to death from the boat because he was worried about his boat sinking and they, they reel this huge shark back in. So he comes back into port and everybody that was on the boat was like, man, that was fantastic. You know, we just thought we were going out for blues and we had this great show, blah, blah, blah. The next day, Frank takes all the small, equipment off his boat and he puts out a sign that says monster hunter. <laughs> so he rebrands his fishing business to get out of, you know, what everybody else is doing and he specifically yeah, goes kind of after Yep, and he specifically goes after sharks. Well, one day Peter Benchley is up and he is, you know, vacationing in the Hamptons and a buddy of his says, "Hey, let's go shark shark fishing." You know, And he's like, well, where are we going to go shark fishing? He goes, oh, there's this guy Frank, and you got to go see him. And So they go to Frank Mundus, and they go shark fishing. And it's 1800 hours to rent the boat, and he'll take up the five head. And you go out, and he promises you a shark and all this other good stuff. And that day they caught a 17-and-a-half-foot shark. It was a great white. They weighed over 4,500 pounds. And That's a big shark. The way Frank worked his you know, shark fishing over the years. At that point, what he was doing was he was shooting barrels into them. So literally like you see in the movie, Frank was taking, you know, these harpoons and he was shooting them in there and then the barrel would come flying off and he would basically just, you know, tire the shark out by chasing him, and then he would bring him in. So Peter Benchley was there and saw all this. All right. And he sees Frank Mundus doing all this other good stuff. And a little bit later on, he goes home and he writes Jaws. And pretty wow. much Frank Mundus is the inspiration for Captain Quint in the movie. And Benchley denied that that was the truth. He said, no, 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 I just made this. He's a, Quint is a amalgamation of several characters. But people who knew Frank, because uh, he recently just passed away in Hawaii in 2008. Check this guy out. 1991, he buys a house in Hawaii for the winners, right? And then he goes back uh, every year and he does this shark hunting for 1,800 hours, you know, a trip. And then he just goes back to Hawaii in the wintertime, he and his wife. Nice gig, right? Yeah. 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 So that's what he was doing. And Benchley wrote this book and, and Mundus, you know, was basically asked by people, hey, this seems like you, you know, you do all those dirty limericks and all that other good stuff. And he's like, well, you know, I, I'm not going to say he wrote it about me. He's saying he didn't, but it's obvious that he did. <laughs> and that, Frank Mundus was literally the, you know, the the inspiration for Quint. Oh,
0: man. I wonder if I can find, like, some old videos of him.
2: Frank? Yeah, there's a yeah. great picture uh, of the article from 2008 in his obituary where he's just sitting there with that, that big shark that he caught. And um, he's got the earring. He's just got a captain's hat on that day. He doesn't have a safari hat. and he's actually wearing deck shoes that day so you can't see his toenails i didn't know any that yeah and then you know one of the best podcasts that i've listened to over the last few years is um the making of jaws and it's a guy that does a lot of the making of uh movies he does the making of the godfather he's done a bunch of them it's an excellent podcast and it's amazing how that movie was like you know, bare almost not made that was Spielberg's first big shot. Uh, so it, it's, it's an interesting story. If you want to get deeper into it and you want to hear more about the inside of jaws, go check that. out. I think it's called inside jaws, isn't it? Cause I had suggested I it, it to you. Yeah, it is. It's inside yeah, jaws. Bye. We'll link to it in the show notes. You guys can go check it out. You know, that's how the movie's inspired. That's how the show's inspired. And you know, down here, um, we'll occasionally get somebody getting bit, um, the rays are getting crazy nowadays. They're, they're kind of chasing people in the shore. A couple of years ago, Tracy and I were over at, there's a pier with a bunch of shops on it in Atlantic City. And you can go out to the end of it and you can look down and you're basically looking at everybody swimming out there. And there was a guy who was going out about 75 yards and then he would just circle back and swim back in. And there was a ray that was eight foot wide that was stalking him on the way out and then would follow him back in when he would body surf. And he would get within maybe like two feet of him or a foot of him, and then he would back way off. And I know this guy had no idea that that was going on. (laughs) He had no clue because he was just getting out of the water and laughing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if we knew that dude's phone number right now. (laughs) And we took these videos. I mean, because it was unbelievable. And it was just stalking him and following him back. I had one do it to me. Last year, I went out. I I had, um, I was just doing some surf uh, in May, you know, because sometimes we can catch stripers um, going the other way if we surf fish in May. Um, so I was doing that and I was dragging. I went out to get my bait because it just hooked up on something. So I, I walked out maybe to like mid thigh deep water. And when I pulled the bait up to get it, cause it was hung up on a piece of driftwood. When I look down, I'm looking right at a ray and it's looking right at me. I mean, it was within no a foot of me. It was just like standing right there looking at me. So they're getting crazy. You know, got to remember these things have been around millions of years and we have it. And they're just now getting curious about us, you know, like <laughs> as a source of food, right? Cause sharks have been around for 20 million years. And, um, you know, maybe now they're just like, oh, you know what, you know, it's a good alternate spot. So maybe that's what's going on. But um, we'll get stories on occasion. You know, somebody gets bit. Somebody gets, you know, maybe hit with a fin, that kind of stuff. But Yeah, or we'll get these videos from the guys that are out to the canyon uh, who are doing some fishing out there for tuna and whatnot. And they'll send back a video of a great white shark, you know. And they're always pretty docile with the boats out there. They don't really try to sink any boats out there. They're just around because those guys are chumming. So we'll see that, but. This had to be absolutely terrifying. You go from, like you said, in April to, you know, sharks can't even bite through a leg. You know, and they would never consider humans food until, you know, like 12 days of oh, yeah, absolute man. horror.
0: I, I totally went to follow up with that. The guy that identified the uh, human remains. Okay. That po- had to positively ID them uh-huh. was the same guy. <laughs> it was the same guy at the, at the uh, Museum of Natural History. They've written the article. <laughs> So yeah. he pretty much had to, you know, cancel himself.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so. I mean,
0: just, just, you know, for, you know, other Jersey folk, I guess, going down to shore is just normal.
2: Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I I never give it a second thought. I go in all the time. I go, I'm out there, man. I, I go, I'll go out 7,500 yards because I can swim like a fish. I don't think, I don't give it a second thought. I just yeah. don't. Now we're supposed to go this afternoon, you know, cause we're leaving in the morning for a camping trip, but we're supposed to go, uh, this afternoon. Cause she said something to me about, we got to get to the beach. I'm like, okay. And I might think about it a little bit today, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't ever give it a second thought, but they're out there, man. Yeah. They are out there and they are hungry <laughs> and they got to eat something. So yeah, you always I got mean, that in the back of your mind, you know, you, it's funny because you know you are out there and you are kind of a little bit antsy, like when you are first wading your way out, especially if the water's cold, right? Because that's the one thing about Jersey we we get this water and it's fucking cold to August, right? You know, sometimes. I mean, just last week the water was freezing. They were all coming back from the beach. It was one hundred degrees here, and they're like, "Oh, the water's freezing," you know. And what it is is <laughs> it's actually the wind direction because w- when the water's warm here, what we're getting is we're getting the Gulf Stream coming up it kind of wraps around Florida and it'll come up and if the winds are from a southerly direction they will pull that warmer water up and but it's very fickle and it stays there uh, in the shallows and it stays close to the surface but if you get a good storm that blows offshore you know it'll just that cold water will just come right back in and that that Gulf stream will dissipate so here in Jersey you have your I like to say there's like 10 days a year where you can actually swim comfortably, you know. But when you're first wading your way out when the water's cold, every once in a while you get a crab pinch your toe. <laughs> it's one yeah. of the creepiest feelings. It's ever. It absolutely is. And every once in a while, it will get you pretty good. They'll bring, you know, they'll bring some blood, you know. When I was a kid, too, my, my grandmother was excellent at teaching us how to clam. Um, and she always knew, I don't know how she knew it. She could walk down the beach in Atlantic City because we would always go to Atlantic City because they were day trips, right? So we would just, you know, leave in the morning and go on a day trip to the shore. Literally, shoebies had our shoebox launches and all. So she would literally walk down the beach and she would go, clam here. You guys go out to about, you know, knee, mid thigh. And then what I want you to do is just rotate your heel dig down into the sand with your heel and you'll feel something hard. And that's a clam shell. And then just bring me the clam, just dive under, grab the clam and bring me the clam. And we used to get dozens of clams and yeah. she could just look at, she literally could just walk down the beach and look, I don't know what she was looking at. I would have loved to have known, but she was like that with everything. I think she was a witch. I really do. She had some witchy ways to her. We used to stop along the side of the road to grab plants for her. She had all that stuff going on, all that old knowledge. But that's awesome. Yeah, but it was cool because we would go home with you know like this big basket of clams too to be able for her to to make us some clam stew or or whatever you know just cut them on a the half shell for us because I love I love anything on a half shell clams oysters okay. can't get enough of them. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you and I were talking when we were getting ready to do the show and we were talking about personal experiences and what we would talk about and. I'm going to go first because after you tell your story, show's over.
0: (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right.
2: So I was probably about 21 years old, 20, 21 years old. A bunch of us went down to Cape May. Uh, We literally went down to just go to the lighthouse, um, bum around, and we weren't supposed to go swimming. We get down there. It's hot. We decide to go swimming. So we go on Cape May beach. Uh, We buy our day passes, beach tags, and we had a cooler full of Miller lights, right? And we proceeded to get hammered, hammered. So, um, we're rolling in the surf and, and there's sometimes at the point the, the surf can be really rough, right? Cause you're, you're wrapping around right down there with the Delaware Bay. So you get some really rough surf down there and it was a rough day. We were body surfing and all that other good stuff. We're, you know, we're, we're slamming down beers you know, we're not eating, we're in the sun, the whole nine yards. So it's getting later on in the day. And I haven't been out of the water for like four or five hours. And I feel this like, like almost like it felt like a piece of a mop wrapping around my leg. um, And it was up on the upper thigh. And I look down and there's a jellyfish there. I'm like, whoa, you know, I was like, I kind of peel back and like the, the, the leg is like sticking to me. I kind of push it off a little bit and it breaks loose. I don't feel anything, hardly anything, right? I felt a little bit of a tingle. I got back to the beach, uh, went to sit down, and I was. it's a good thing I went back and sat down, and I was talking to some people on the blanket, and within about 25 minutes, I could not move my leg. I was literally dead leg. I was like, I might as well have had a peg leg right? Like I, there was not anything I could do about it. And they all were like, you know, in semi stages, uh, stages of drunkenness. And they were more worried about, well, if we call anybody, Mike, you know, they're going to look in the cooler. Uh, That's what they were all worried about. Right. So I had to sit there and I guess I sat there for probably like an hour and a half to two hours before it wore off. And we never did call anybody. And then finally, slowly, just like, it was almost like my leg was asleep. Like this, the tingling sensation, you know, came back and I was able to walk. That's
0: crazy. So no pain. It was just like tingles. And then
2: there may have been pain, but I was so hammered. I wouldn't even have known, you know, I mean, we were really into the beers, man. I mean, I think we had a couple 30 packs. We were hammering them on the way down and we were hammering them while we were there. And, you know, there may have very well been pain. I don't know, but. I remember feeling it on my leg and I remember looking down and seeing it and they were all in the water that day. too. you know, it was just one of those years where there were jellyfish everywhere and not all like that sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Not all of them will sting you, you know, and a lot of the ones you're looking at are dead, but the one that got me was not. So I was a good two hours sitting on that blanket and they were kind of mad because like about an hour, hour in, they were like, come on, we want to go get something to eat. And I'm like, I can't stand up assholes. So that was my little experience with the stuff in the water.
0: Yeah, that's wild. Though you know, it's a good thing you got out of the water because if you lost, I know, like control of that leg.
2: Yeah, you know? God looks after drunks yes. and fools. So <laughs> yeah, and the only other time that I can think of that was really really funny is I my I took my dad. I convinced my my dad is a couch potato, right? My dad is like six foot two. He's like 160 pounds. He's the same fucking weight he was when he was in the army. Um, you know, he's like very regimented about what he eats and drinks and all that good stuff. But my dad loves his couch. Give him a remote control and you know, a seven and seven and he's good. You know, don't bother me. I'm good. You know, you want to come visit me. Great. I'm not going to come visit you. You could stay here for hours. You guys can stay overnight, but I'm not going to come visit you. He's a very much a homebody, right? So um, when I got married and I had my my stepson and he was young, he was seven or eight years old, I wanted us to go fishing, right? I'm only trying to have this kumbaya moment, right? So I go and I get my dad and I'm like, (laughs) hey, dad, listen, we're going to go down to the shore. We're going to rent a boat uh, out of Margate and we're going to go. You know, flounder fishing. Oh, that sounds like a terrible idea. I'm like, come on, you know, just come down. You know, your 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 grandson doesn't see it. Come on, come on, come on. So long story short, he finally decides to go. So we get the <laughs> boat um, and we actually got it out. There were two places back then to rent a boat in Margate. Um, one of them was the place that was reliable and had good boats and was, you know, $40 more expensive. And then there was another guy. And that guy actually is the guy that uh Nicholas Cage was on his dock for um the movie that he made about Atlantic City. I think it's called High Roller or something like that. But there's a scene filmed at this dude's uh place. Now it's like a personal residence. They've closed it down. I can't remember what the last name of it is, um, but it was the last Italian name. So we we rented out of there. Right, so we get this boat. So we go out. We got our fishing rods. We look at this boat, and it's rusted everywhere. And I'm looking, and thinking, Jesus Christ! Right, my father goes, Really, really? This is the boat you put me on? <laughs> really? And I'm like, Dad, the the water's five foot deep. You'll be okay. You know, we're just we're out to have a good time. No big deal. We're out to have a good time. So we leave the dock. Um, we go down. We do the first float. Get a couple bites, couple throwbacks. and He starts getting into it. You know. So we do that float again, and we float um, back towards like you know like the mainland, back in the back bay. And there's a place there called Skull Bay that's like really super shallow that you can't float back to. But we had a nice float. I actually we caught a keeper, so now he's like into it. And we're doing good, right? So I went to restart the motor so that we could go back up and do the float again. And it's a pull motor, right? You pull pull the string and you pull and the motor starts ideally. I pull the motor, uh, pull the string, doesn't do anything, right? So I rearrange those guys so that I can get more leverage and I'm at the back of the boat and I pull again, nothing. And it seems like it's dry, so I give it a little bit of fuel, but then, you know, that's, you got to watch, you don't flood it out. So I I pull again, I pull like three or four more times and when the fourth time I pull, I pulled it pretty hard and the entire engine Fell off the back of the boat, right into oh, the creek, and it's uh, like I'm left holding the string, and I can't hold it up by that, and it just falls in. Now, <laughs> my father turns to me and goes, "What do we do now?" So they always give you one oar, right, and that's only so you can push yourself <laughs> off the islands, you know. So they they just want you to be able to push yourself off the islands. So what could I do? And I row around in a circle. So, luckily, there was a guy with an ice boat there, and he saw the whole thing. And after we stopped laughing, he said, would you like, because this is like pre-cell phone, right? So, he said, would you like me to radio back in? Where did you, you know, get your boat from? So, I tell him. And he goes, all right. He goes, uh, they said they'd be right out. And then, conveniently, he picked up his anchor and he took off. Like <laughs> so we, And I'm like, yeah, wait. You know, and he he just takes off. So, we're sitting there. We're sitting there like 15 minutes and this girl comes out on a jet ski, little girl, like 15, 16 years old. I'm not kidding you. She weighs like maybe 85 pounds. What's the problem? I'm like, so the motor fell off the back of the boat. Oh, right. I go, no, we floated since then. It's back. It's back over there. She goes, Oh, okay. She goes, all right, well I'm going to, I'm going to like, uh, see what I can do. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can get it back on. So I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I'm going to jump down. I'm going to, I'm like, you're never going to be able to get that back on. I said, get me another boat out here. You know, no, 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 we don't have any more. Uh, you took the last boat out. Long story short, about a half hour of her trying to, you know, like get the motor back mounted, it, get it up off the bottom of the, the water. She's diving down. She's got like, you know, pink hair, you know, pink and blue hair. She's diving down. And finally, like, I got to convince this 15 year old, you're not going to be able to do that. You know, so we're getting bit by green heads the whole nine yards. So finally she comes up and she goes, all right, I'll tow you back. And I go, you're going to tow us back with a jet ski, three of us in the boat. I like that. I got to see. So she started to tell us, obviously we didn't go anywhere. Right. We went maybe like 10 feet in the five minutes she was telling us. And she goes, you're right. I can't really tell you. I said, okay. It we're getting sprayed with her exhaust. So. Finally, she calls the owner of the place, and the owner of the place brings out his boat, which is a nice boat, and tows us back. Refunds our money. Golly. And we go along our merry way. And that was the last time my father went fishing with me. <laughs> Sad story. <Damn. laughs> but we did go to Maynard's and get uh, a little bit lit up. So that was good. Went right across the street to my dad. De- my father, who ne- was not a beer man. Went across the Maynards and downed about three 12-ounce bears. Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> and we drove home. So that That's was awesome. my encounter w- with the sea. And you have an encounter that you told me about. And uh, I would like to hear it again. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you uh, one more first, though. Okay. Uh, this kind of leads to this one. <laughs> Um we used to go to Strathmere all the time. I don't know if you ever been up there, but it's uh
2: My old boss has a south. Yeah, my old boss has a house right on the bay.
0: Yeah, it's just north of Sea Isle. Yep. But uh that's where we always went. And there's literally a sandbar out there every year that's mm-hmm. you know, probably seventy five yards offshore. And you know, it was a battle it's always a battle getting out to it, but when we got to it it was always like the warmest water and you can you know stand back up again. Right so you don't have to take a break from the swim. Right. But that was something like we did every year. No matter how cold the water was, we always went out to that sandbar. And this particular year I was probably like 16, 15 or sixteen, but I was I was doing it and I went out there with my mom and my aunt. It was just us three. Um People were in the water, but like, you know, probably up to their knees because it was cold that year. So not many people were out there. Um, but there was a lot of people on the beach, and there were people in the water, you know, in the shallows. So we were going after that sandbar. That was the mission. And we got probably – also, there's a, a real nasty riptide out there, so you kind of have to be careful. We all know what to do just swim sideways. Yeah. But
2: it's scary uh, though.
0: It is scary. Scary <laughs> and, shit. And Like we went out there with probably during the highest part of the surf. Cause I think that was like the most fun of it was, you know, actually the battle to get out to that sandbar. Right. And, uh, just in the course of it, we probably were maybe halfway out to it. And, uh, you know, we were, just laughing, you know, just trying to get out there. And my aunt like all of a sudden had a real serious face and she said something brushed up against her. And uh, I've never seen my aunt's face like that before. And that like immediately scared me. Right. And before I knew it, my mom was already going back towards the shore. Like we were trying to ride like ride in the waves just to get back to shore. And we didn't even know what the hell was happening. But as soon as we turned around we can see everybody back on a beach, like waving us in and saying shark. Wow. So uh we got back. I never seen it. I didn't feel it, but my aunt swears she felt it and my mom said she turned around first because she saw something in the wave and she's legally blind, so she had to seen something.
2: Yeah. Must have been pretty big. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So
0: ever since then I'd I'd had a constant fear of sharks. I, you know, I, I had nightmares about it. You know, this is post-Jaws, too. It wasn't until it actually happened at that time when everybody was waving sharks. And, and the only thing is we would just seen porpoises out there maybe like 20 minutes prior, which we'd always heard was a sign that there is no sharks. Yes. If you see porpoise right. fins, then it's safe, you know? Right. But, you know, the porpoise fins are up and down like kind of a wave motion. but shark fins kind of just glide. And they go sideways and that's what everybody saw. And that's why they were yelling shark. Nothing happened to any of us. <laughs> um, no bites, but just that whole incident felt like slow motion.
2: Oh yeah. That's and scary, it, man. And it scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely.
0: So let's fast forward to 2011. <laughs> I actually was taking R and R. I'd just done, uh, Almost a year. I did a eight months in Iraq and went directly to Afghanistan for another four months.
2: And you I had a good time R
0: and R. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was going to take my R and R in the back end of that tour, and uh, I went to Belize because people have been hyping it up, like yo Belize, it's awesome. It's the dollar goes far. Uh, right. They speak English. You know, lots to do. So I was like, yeah, awesome. Uh, I'll definitely go to Belize. So I went. And uh, while I was down there, and I stayed there for, I think that time, almost two months. I stayed there for quite a while. I was diving, and I was diving a lot. The reefs are awesome there, super colorful. Um, I'm still constantly paranoid about sharks, but I'm not seeing many sharks. Uh, Mainly just these barracuda that kind of stalk you in the water. That's kind of creepy, but not a problem. But uh, we had, I went out on the charter that was mainly uh, snorkelers. And there was probably a dozen snorkelers, and I was the only diver. So they hit a small island and let off the snorkelers so they could do their thing around this small island. While I went like further out on the reef. So when I got done, we came back to pick up the snorkelers. And on the way back in the shore, we seen a, uh, a fishing boat that was chumming the water. And the guide was like, oh, this is perfect. Uh, where they're chumming the water is going to be, like, the most sea life possible. <laughs> and uh...
2: <laughs> Setting you up for and then,
0: Yeah, so we got over there, and these fishermen are just, like, throwing fish heads in the water. Um, they're cleaning their catch for today. And... There's a lot of activity under the surface, and you can't even... You can tell there was a lot of activity before you even got in the water with your goggles on. Right. So uh, he told everybody basically pretty much hop out. It's, it's safe. We guarantee it's like nothing's going to bite you. And all the snorkelers jumped off, and they were looking like they are having the best time ever. <clears throat> and I still had my tanks on, so I got in behind them, and as soon as I got in the water... I seen more sharks in that one spot than I'd ever seen in any documentary in my life. <laughs> it was like a school and I should say too, it was, it was winter for us, which means that's when the whale sharks are out there. Right. And these are huge, these are huge things, but apparently they don't, they don't eat much other than, uh, you know, like microorganisms,
2: Plankton. but they're yeah.
0: huge and they're, they're scary to look at. But, uh, super docile there's a lot of nurse sharks but there was other sharks that i didn't know what they were and they were big and i was i was paranoid but it didn't seem like they were bothering anybody and like i said there was about a dozen people in the water so uh there was there was rays there was a uh, there were sea turtles there was eels everything that you could think of was in this one little area where they were chumming oh my god and it god. was awesome it was literally like the, the waters were turning around you and I was like, Oh man, I'm glad I got out. Right. But I was constantly in the back of my head, just watching all these sharks. Cause I, cause again, I had that, i the paranoia. So, uh, the other thing is most of these snorkelers were senior citizens. So, uh, after about 20 minutes, we didn't stay there that long. So we didn't want to bother the fishermen and they were kind of cool. Just letting us, you know, get the water next to them. Right. And, uh, again, I had tanks on and flippers, so I had no problem just uh, treading the water when it was over with so that, you know, all these older people could get back on the boat first who were snorkeling. And uh, right when probably the second-to-last person was getting on that boat, I was, you know, surfaced. I had my mask off, but, you know, again, still had my tanks and my fins. And it felt like I got hit by a car from the back. Something... Hit me so hard, and all I could feel was pressure. I didn't feel pain; it was it was just pressure. And uh, and then I was getting dragged down. And in that moment, I knew, in my head, I knew I was finally getting eaten by a shark. I was like, "Well, it's finally happening. <laughs> I'm finally getting eaten by a shark." But uh, I was I just remember trying to swim forward towards the boat, and nothing was happening. I was just going backwards and down. Right. So I, I put back on my uh, my mask. And you got to breathe really hard through your nose to kind of clear out the water from your mask. And w- when I look behind me, what I what would had me was a sea turtle. <laughs> it bit me in the ass. <laughs> and when I tell you, when I tell you sea turtle man, I'm I'm not talking about like a, a box turtle. Right. This was like a few hundred pounds turtle. That that was just wrecking me. <laughs> I had a suit on, thank God. But what I think had happened was there was a guy, one of those senior citizens, was like grabbing onto that sea turtle and letting the turtle kind of, kind of like take him for a ride. Oh God! And I think that pissed him off.
2: Yeah.
0: And he took it out on me, or he thought I looked like <laughs> a seal. I don't know. I don't know what. But when I see that turtle, man, first of all, its mouth was open so wide. Like it was hard for me to believe how much of my ass was in his mouth, and I didn't know if I had an ass at that point. Because again, like the, you know, the water wasn't red like jaws, but I was like, I don't like, I don't know if I have an ass cheek anymore. Right. But I, I seen him, and I popped them right in right in his turtle eye, and he let go, and yeah. uh, I I came up as soon as I got to the to the surface. You know, I was you know screaming, I got bit. Um, instead of any of those people throwing me like a, a life ring, all the I'm sorry, I'm they were screaming in horror, <laughs> they were all screaming because I was screaming <laughs> and I didn't, at that point, I didn't know if he was going to come back for me. Right. You know, <laughs> so I was losing my mind, man.
2: Turtle um, attack.
0: Yeah. And when I tell you these these were older people. I'm not saying like they were in their sixties, man. These were like these people were like pushing eighty. It was like a cocoon, man. But they were horrified. And when I got back in that boat, I didn't give a damn. Dude. I stripped that suit off so fast because I want to see what the damage was. And like you know, I, I didn't have trunks on. I just had a suit. So
2: that I so now know. I'm
0: in this. I'm in this boat, like naked. Dude, my my right ass cheek was so gnarly looking. Really? <laughs> like, yeah, it was it looked like one beak, just one beak impression. Uh-huh. But like you know how blood is when you're wet already. It looks like there's way more yeah. blood in there. Yeah, when you, you know, spread it zippy. out, right? So now I have like yeah, so I'm standing like a, a red-puddled naked <laughs> with these horrified old ladies
2: staring uh, at your junk. Yeah. And you, yeah, and your ass is bang. your ass is hanging out. Yeah. Were you with anybody? Was anybody else there with you?
0: Um. Yeah, I had a I had a buddy from back home. He was. was he uh, any he help? <laughs> no, nah, he, no, he wasn't. He was one of the snorkelers. He wasn't diving. He was, he was looking concerned. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but you know, he wasn't going to save me. <laughs> oh
2: God! So, but it was. You had a a hard time getting medical treatment too, right?
0: Yeah, that's the thing. So, you know, you think the worst is getting that that bite. Yeah,
2: let's go to Belize, man. Fifty cent margaritas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, all that true. Those are all true things, man. But like, golly, apparently this. Everybody loves these sea turtles. Like they got names for them. Uh, People like. Kiss him, but that turtle was not feeling me in the moment. <laughs>
2: well, he was looking for something wrinkled and white. He was looking for that guy, and he found your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Good point. But yeah, just oh, their, their jaw strength
0: is ridiculous, man. They they have beaks basically, and they're designed to completely break conch shells.
2: Oh hell yeah! So it was
0: it was a nasty bite, man. It hurt so bad, and it hurt for literally months. But after the fact, within like within twenty four hours I had a pretty nasty marine bacterial infection. Oh yeah. And I started feeling fluish. And uh, you know, the people at the resort I was staying at got pretty concerned. Um, I ended up going to see a veterinarian and a bush doctor, which is pretty much a witch doctor is <laughs> <It> was... <laughs> I don't even think I told you this part, man. No. So yeah. So, on top of the bite.
2: You need to have seven um, margaritas and kill this chicken.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, these, uh, the people at the resort who were legit Mayans, you know what I mean? We gotten pretty tight with them over the time that we were there.
2: Right. They were like,
0: they also, they'd heard me, like, yelling in my sleep and stuff, and they really wanted me to go see this bush doctor. But it was, I just, I just went, and, uh, again, my buddy was there with us. And probably about, you know, five or six Mayans that were working at this resort I was staying at, which was, it's like a mom and pop resort, nothing even crazy. Right. But I went to go see this old lady who put me in a chair and beat the shit out of me with like some, some big ass palm leaves, blew smoke at me. (laughs) It was bananas, man.
2: (laughs) And somehow that didn't cure it, right?
0: It didn't cure it at all. There was no cure. I don't know if I didn't believe strong enough or what, but. Golly well, man, could you imagine the field. shit
2: that's on their beaks, the bacteria from eating all that raw fish and everything else that they eat? Right. They're eating that yeah. conch. They're eating all that other good stuff. There's got to be bacteria loaded on the, on that beak. So you have to wind up going to a veterinarian.
0: Yep, And they gave me a shot and that kind of straightened me out, but you know, I still have a scar. Yeah. <laughs> I still have the beak scar. Uh, it looks like a dimple. Really? <laughs> but I didn't know you yeah, still had the no, scar. It's, it's big. Oh, God. Yeah, it is pretty big. Actually, I you know how I don't have social media? I did have social media for about a week, and I got it when I came off that deployment, and I had Facebook, and I posted a picture of just my ass cheek, uh-huh. and I got... Uh, I guess reported or something and I haven't had, I haven't had anything since So I did have Facebook for about a week.
2: Well, you do have a Twitter.
0: I do have a Twitter.
2: What is your Twitter handle?
0: Addicted to it. I, I'm not 100% sure right now. Hang on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, ours is at garden Wicket. So if anybody wants to get in touch with us on Twitter, um, you can contact me at garden Wicket. I'm also listed as Mike McGuire on there. And uh Garrett yeah. is on there too as well. Oh
0: yeah. I'm at I'm at underscore moblin. It's like goblin with an M.
2: There you go.
0: If any of you guys play Zelda, you know what I'm talking about.
2: So he will DM <laughs> you that picture if you ask.
0: Yeah, if you really want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not pretty.
2: <laughs> if you're looking so, looking yeah, to go on a diet and you're looking to uh you know <laughs> miss a couple meals, you can check out his scar from his uh, sea turtle who gets bit by sea turtle I'm sure there's other people right pretty rare right I'm sure there's other people but I've never heard it until you told me that story a few weeks ago and when you told me the dive I was crying all night long by the by the way the night you told me it I had edibles from Colorado so I was just (laughs) giggling all fucking night long so it was Uh, great that's awesome yeah
0: yeah the uh the dive master said that like with her jaw strength if that turtle really wanted so he could have just like took it Do he could have just took my ass but
2: some uh, apparently old, he just wanted
0: to pull me under
2: some old asshole riding the turtle get off the turtle
0: you know yeah, what are you doing what are you
2: doing the turtle doesn't want <laughs> people think the turtle's there for you to ride Oh, come on, we're going to go out and ride dolphins. You don't want to ride that stuff. Leave those animals alone. Jesus.
0: Yeah. I do remember being so frustrated and standing there naked that I did point <laughs> to that guy, and I was like, this is because of you. <laughs>
2: were you semi-erect when you book. did that? <laughs>
0: I was just angry and frustrated, but uh, I do remember that part. Yeah,
2: just don't, don't have like, a heart yeah. on when you when you tell him that, right? <laughs> Oh God. Oh, man. Dude, that's a great story. Yeah, so everybody enjoy your vacations down the shore. You know, you get in that water, you get out there a little bit, you know, kids are a little bit ahead of you, ten, twenty yards, you're going, hold on, little Johnny, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And then you feel that little pinch on your toe. Is it a crab? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Is it a shark? Who knows? It's probably not a sea turtle. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know.
0: Probably not. Yep. Yeah. Take a with you.
2: <laughs>
0: Remember it happens in the shallows. Folks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys can uh, get in touch with us at our Twitters, which is at garden Wicket, and then at underscore moblin for Garrett. And then um, we have a Patreon too, which is wicked garden podcast. You can go there and for as little dollar as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. You get extra uh, content. Uh, We got to do a patron show, dude. We got to get one going. Uh, So we get some extra content over there. Thanks again to Steve for contacting us via email. Really appreciate it, Steve. Drive safe, buddy. Um, If you got any stories about the road, we'd love to hear them. Uh, Don't have to necessarily be, you know, paranormal stories. It could just be really good stories. There's a lot of good road stories out there. Uh, Also, Rachel, thank you for talking with me yesterday. Um, Appreciate your time. We'll have that episode coming up. We got some other stuff in the works. We're back in the swing. I got a new power supply. Thanks for listening today, guys.
1: Introducing Meta
2: Modern Sound and Country Music.
1: I've seen Jesus play with flames in the lake of fire. As I was standing in. Met the devil in Seattle Spent nine months inside the line Then Met booty yet another time he showed me a glowing light within But I swear that God was there the time I go to the eyes of my best Says my son, it's all been done Someday gonna wake up old.